0: Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life.
1: All seven and we'll watch them fall. They stand in the way of love, and we will smoke them all with an intellect and a savoir faire. No one in the whole universe will ever compare. I am yours now, and you are mine, and too love through all space and time, so don't cry. One day, all seven will die.
0: And welcome back. This is the soundtrack to a life. I am Chris, as you probably by this point know. With me again is Mike. Hey, Mike, how's it going?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Really well. What
1: you been up to since we saw you last? What have I been up to? Well, I was finishing up a semester of school, um, you know left my job at the liquor store and have moved on to the incredible world of adult sales, so that's all sorts of fun. And uh, yeah, just uh, prepping for the summer and uh, dealing with the idea of my daughter has graduated high school and is leaving me to go away for university. You know, small stuff.
0: Terrifying, Yes, exactly. <laughs> And Mike and I are here today discussing Prince's 1992 album, the Love Symbol album. So, here's a weird thing Much Music used to do, for the people out there too young to remember what kind of cultural footprint Much Music had once upon a time. For artists of a certain stature, Much would cancel its regular programming in anticipation of the first major video off an album cycle. They'd run a special slate of programming relating to the artist in one way or another. Their previous videos, live concert footage, interviews, much-music VJs talking about their feelings about the artist. Just spend the whole day focused on that one performer, who was about to release one song. And all the while, a countdown clock in the corner of the screen would tick down to the Canadian premiere of the artist's new video, to build anticipation of the release. And people would count down with it. At least I would, if I liked the artist and had nothing better to do with my day. It was an interesting way to connect with the mainstream of pop culture. And at 14, I had a lot of room in my heart for that sort of connection. Obviously, they wouldn't do this for every artist. Just the acknowledged consensus superstars. Michael Jackson got this treatment. You too did. I believe REM may have for either Monster or Automatic for the People. MC Hammer did during the 45 seconds where people thought he might be the second coming of Michael. And, of course, Prince. Prince released seven singles total in 1992, off two different albums. Love Symbol came close on the heels of its predecessor, Diamonds and Pearls. So of the artists who got this treatment, he was probably the one who benefited most from the sense of event. Yes, Prince had just finished being on the radio with a different song, but this was the one that mattered. This brings about the new album. This is the one that you and the world needs to see. My Name is Prince was the event. The Love Symbol album is not the consensus best Prince record, and compared to Diamonds and Pearls, it underperformed. By this point in the man's career, there was probably a degree of Prince fatigue setting in. But it's the one I find myself going back to again and again. Because I find this the most Prince record. It's the one that best shows everything I love about him as an artist and performer. His spiritualism, his sense of play, his willingness to jump between and then blend together tones and textures within funk and above all his wildly inflated, but ultimately completely justified, confidence. He may have released bigger records than this, but none have ever sounded bigger. Love Symbol is Prince as conquering hero. It's Prince who believes he can do no wrong. Prince standing athwart popular culture like a colossus. Unstoppable. Invincible. Inevitable. Love Symbol is peak Prince. One second before the wave that began fourteen years previous finally crashed against the shoreline, and started, slowly but undeniably, to roll back out to sea. Prince had his share of personal and professional problems over the course of the 1990s, but Love Symbol is the record that completely derailed a television network's programming schedule that they might acknowledge his superstardom, deservedly. And I love it for that. So Mike, you'd never heard Prince's Love Symbol album, and now you have. Tell me, what do you think?
1: Well, to be honest, I had never heard anything from Prince other than the work he did on the Batman soundtrack, the uh, Tim Burton Batman. So that's what I went in thinking. That was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That was so wrong, I think I need a more adult person than me that can talk me through this. Because where's my
0: consent form? Please, oh lord, so much sexy. Oh man. No, this record is weird sex and religion.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, like there's that gospel element to
0: it. Yep. This is a performer who, partway through a sex jam, was interrupted by God to tell him that he did not want the person to whom he was singing this sex jam in the correct way, and then sentenced him to death. It's an interesting dynamic that you get within a Prince record.
1: Yeah. On first listen, my jaw just dropped at the literal oozing sexuality coming from it. It is so sexual. And there's part of me that goes, is that a bit of a put-on? Or is that like genuine like Prince at his core? And I don't know.
0: I feel like this is just him. Cause like this is a man who will walk into a room, or who would, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Walk into a room with three or four models. This is a dude whose pickup line of choice would be to write someone a number one hit song.
1: Well, you can't argue with that. I mean, if you can do that, do it. Honestly, there's so much sexuality to it, and the songs are all good. I enjoy the album. I don't get it yet. There's so much depth to it. This is a process album. This is going to take more than just a couple weeks worth of listening to to really get, because he's a masterful musician. Correct me if I'm wrong, he, generally speaking, did all of the instrumentation on most of his albums, right? And there are so many layers to this. Dude was a genius, obviously, but that genius level is, like, a few steps above where I'm at, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to sort of climb those stairs to get this.
0: That makes sense. This was 14 years deep in a process where Prince would have, if he were allowed, released two records a year.
1: That's insane. Like, I mean, I know, I know he's got a huge back catalog, and his estate is sitting on all manner of recordings, from demos to full albums that are just, like, ready to go, sort of thing. Yeah,
0: there'll be a new Prince record every year for the rest of both of our lives. Well,
1: okay, cool. I'm down for that.
0: Yeah, his most recent one was um, cover versions by him, of songs that he wrote but did not perform the first time around. So if you want to hear him do Nothing Compares to You or Manic Monday, that is now an available thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting project. But no, this one um, this one is bonkers. Like, this is the most Prince. Just the song My Name is Prince. Yeah, I mean, to start out with that, yeah. To start out with it, to have the album start out with it, but also have that be the lead-off single. This is almost anti-commercial.
1: There's certainly that aspect to it, yeah, where he's throwing it so much in the face of the commercialism of the industry that it's like how do you market that? It's beyond marketing almost,
0: it's well, it's a power move. Mhm. A YouTube personality who reviews pop songs. I'll give credit for this concept, Todd in the Shadows, recently did a video on what he referred to as the I'm back bitch single, and basically the criteria that he set out was It needs to sound oppressively big, joyfully celebratory, and ultimately be about nothing. It is selling the concept of the artist rather than whatever the song happened to be. And the example that he gave was uh, Bad by Michael Jackson. But I would also say My Name is Prince very much fits into that moment. Like, it is an enormous song.
1: It is an enormous song. Yeah, I agree with you there. Bad by Michael Jackson, I might argue, because that was—I mean—that was a
0: conscious rebranding for him. Sure, but uh, it was about him. It, uh, absolutely, yeah. like it was—it was trading on the image that he was attempting to set up and establishing. Okay, yeah, yeah. And by the end of My Name Is Prince, you just—you feel exhausted. If you watch the video, it's about like six minutes something long. Hmm. Kirstie Alley of Cheers and Star Trek plays news reporter Vanessa Bartholomew covering rioting fans trying to see Prince on stage. Prince, meanwhile, is dancing with his band while wearing a BDSM-inspired police uniform and a cap with gold chainmail hanging from the brim of skewering his face, singing into a microphone shaped like a gun, inciting further riots and general chaos. It is fucking bonkers.
1: And yeah,
0: right? mainstream music television did play it Because they had to. Because Because it was Prince. That is correct.
1: Jesus. I mean, if you can get away with it, fucking do it, yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Admittedly, My Name is Prince and a few other tracks on here don't quite hold up to time. Like, the 80s drum stuff and the, like, really sort of put-on-scratching don't hold up. I don't think they even really held up when they were released at the time. And, like, I, that was never my thing, but, yeah, I, that part of the album doesn't hold up, but the funk element of it,
0: holy hell. Yeah, Prince was always at his best when he didn't care about sounding contemporary. When he used up-to-date, popular forms of mass communication within music, it did sound a little bit put on. It was always a little uncomfortable when he tried to rap.
1: Yeah, <laughs> There's a few moments of that here where it's just like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah,
0: the scratching of some of the uh, beats of the time. He needed to either be pushing music forward, or relaxing in its past, mm-hmm. and he could do either of those things. But being
1: contemporaneous to, to what's happening at the time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the funk in it is incredible, it's layered, you can hear his skill on the guitar. I've always heard that he's such a great guitarist, all of this sort of thing, and never, because my only... Exposure to him was the Batman soundtrack. It was like, okay, well, there's not really that much guitar on there. You can hear it in here. It's The funk guitar is wicked.
0: The dude could blister a guitar.
1: Yeah. You know, it was apparently one of the literal greats, you know, right up there with Hendrix and all of that. And it's like, okay, I've seen a couple like YouTube videos of him performing live, and yeah, I can see it there, but I had never really gotten a glimpse of that, and this album certainly shows it.
0: Yeah, this very much sells it. It was originally put together as a rock opera.
1: I was going to ask, because yeah, in the the second segue or whatever, the interviewer is like, but what's the content of your opera? And it doesn't have a deeper meaning. I'm like, that isn't really referenced anywhere else in the album all that much. So I was a little confused.
0: Yeah, Kirstie Alley was there providing interstitial plot elements between the songs. Mm-hmm. It eventually became a straight-to-video film called Three Chains of Gold about an Egyptian princess who falls in love with a rock star and entrusts him with a religious object, the three chains of Turin, while he helps her escape from seven assassins. You can find the original record around the internet, with additional dialogue tracks and a slightly different track listing. Okay. I like this version better. I mean, this is the one he released, so I'm on board with that
1: would have been an interesting thing to do, though. Like, this as a rock opera sort of thing, a la Tommy, but still also being sort of a send-up of it sort of thing.
0: Yeah, kind of. And Prince is a very good actor when he is playing Prince.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is why his movie career stalled. <laughs> <laughs> I he guess, has
1: one role and one role only.
0: Yeah, he's so good at that one thing. Oh,
1: man, just wicked, uh, yeah.
0: Like, watch... Purple Rain. It is an okay movie that conveniently involves Prince and the Revolution playing the songs from Purple Rain live in between scenes, so you're still riveted. Even the sequel to that, Graffiti Bridge, although it's only the songs from Graffiti Bridge being played live this time, Graffiti Bridge is an underrated record. You can get there. His, uh, film Under the Cherry Moon, on the other hand, he tries to play a gigolo in pre-fascist Spain in the 19... (gasps) He does not have the range. (laughs) But, unlike Madonna, he tried it once, saw that it wasn't working, and immediately stopped. Which I respect. uh,
1: Credit to him. That that woman just needs to stop. I don't get this new phase, the Madam X phase, like I...
0: Here's the thing, though. People who still like Madonna in 2019 i've been fucking devouring Madamax. i have a few friends who still care about madonna and they're saying that this is her best work in years and years and arguably madonna is correct to play to the sort of people who like madonna
1: well i mean you you played in your strengths i guess yeah. yeah it's
0: like i don't need a new madonna record i don't need this one but also i don't need another one and I'm kind of okay with it just not being for me. And if a bunch of people are out there losing their mind over how great this is, sure, I'm,
1: I'm not. I'm not. This saying, is your Madonna
0: record. Yes. I hope that you enjoy it.
1: If you're into Madonna, then be into Madonna. But you no, know, I got past that many, many years yeah. ago. Thank
0: you very much. And I'm yes. not against crazy high concept spy nonsense being <laughs> overlaid.
1: <laughs> high concept spy nonsense. Yay!
0: Sure, why not? Um, I listened to this thing about an Egyptian princess who falls in love with a rock star while being chased by seven assassins.
1: Yeah, it's. uh, I found that after the first segue, it sort of hits a little bit of a lull for a bit there. And it doesn't really come back until Arrogance. Ooh, that was a good one. Those few songs immediately, like Blue Light, Sweet Baby, you know, all the stuff in there. Every time I listen to it, my attention starts to wander at about that point. So, in terms of like. I mean, obviously it was, as you say, it had a different track listing if it was going to be done as the rock opera. It might have kept my attention better, but yeah, it just sort of, I found my attention wandering in my listen-throughs right at about that point.
0: Fair, those are some of the mid tempo
1: Yeah, and there's just not as much hook to them, anything like that. But I mean, still, not to say that they aren't good songs, it's just in the throughput of the album, it just sort of drops a little there.
0: Fair enough. And I guess good that he was able to pick it back up later.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, you get into Arrogance. Seven is maybe my favorite track on the album, all told. Just the layering of the voices and just the sound of it. So good.
0: Seven's a stunner.
1: Yeah. But, it. yeah, it just... It, is there a way to... Well, I mean, I guess there are a few albums that have been written this way where... I mean, even even OK computer. Has sort of a, a bit of a lull point in it from about the fifth to the ninth track, I find. I don't know if that's my attention span because I guess it would probably be roughly in the same area here in terms of duration, or if that's just the idiosyncratic way of doing an album.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of breather songs.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, while people
0: get their energy back up.
1: I guess some um, high fidelity. The idea of, you know, oh when you're making a mixtape, you you don't want to blow your wad too early sort of thing, and Prince is blowing his wad all over the place here, but uh, he doesn't want to give it all up right at the start to have nothing at the end.
0: This is true. And, I mean, this record was like his career writ large. The Men Never Stopped. Yeah, true. He was uh, 34 when this came out.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: And it's his 14th studio album. Oh, my God, what have I done with my life? <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, here, I'll make it much, much worse. Don't okay. worry. He, over the course of his life, released 37 studio albums. He has released two since he passed away at the age of 58. 37,
1: so, okay.
0: 37 records by the age of 58. A record a year for the rest of either of our lives.
1: So there's basically, if if I'm counting right, there's only one year in there where he wouldn't have released... Because... He
0: took one year off at some point, yes.
1: Jesus. That yeah. is prolific, like no one's business.
0: And that's not even counting the songs he wrote for other people. Well, yeah, like, exactly. This is what happens. He briefly had a uh, music club where you would sign up and he would mail you two CDs a year.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah, that's what happens when you own a professional studio. As your house, yeah. As your house. Uh, Paisley Park was staffed 24 hours a day in case he wanted to... Do something, anything. Yeah. Holy crap. And then a stage out front with an audience because people would just hang out in front of Prince's house, hoping that he would show up and play impromptu, because sometimes he did.
1: Christ. Like, how? Oh my god, that's a... Like, I guess he sort of went the other way, like... I know there were a lot of comparisons in the 80s between him and Michael in terms of the superstardom, but Michael sort of, you know, became the recluse he closed in on himself, where it seems Prince went very much the other way, where it was just like he just sort of opened
0: up to it. Yeah, one was a really fussy perfectionist, and the other worked constantly and wanted you to hear what he was doing.
1: Well, and I mean, to say that this is a perfectionist's record would not be true. There's clearly stuff on here that was in the process sort of thing. He was getting to some point on something in his evolution as an artist. But yeah, Michael Jackson, yeah, the perfectionism was like, that's why he had so few albums would be my bet. Yeah,
0: and why, if we're being completely honest, I always found him a little bit sterile.
1: Yeah, anytime perfectionism gets in there, it's like, you need some of that, you know, you trip up on a line or something.
0: Yes. These are very intuitive takes on these songs. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of energy and newness and love to them. And that sense of play. The most Prince moment in any Prince song is on the bridge to Sexy Motherfucker when the.
1: Sexy Motherfucker. So
0: good. Oh, God, yes. When the New Power Generation, his backing band for mm. this. This is his second album with them. Yeah. Are chanting, sexy motherfucker shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass. And then on a dime, Prince decides he's tired of this being a rap record, and he wants to do a jazz record now. So it's going to be the same thing, but now it's, sexy motherfuckers shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just,
1: uh yeah, that, that track is so good. <laughs>
0: Five more takes,
1: and that would have been
0: gone? And somebody goes, no, but seriously. Yeah, no, no,
1: we need this, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is right, but this is happening.
0: Oh my god.
1: Um, Okay, so, do you think this album could be made today? Like, considering the Me Too movement, and all of this sort of stuff, and the blatant, overt sexuality in this, is this something that could get made today? And Would the millennial generation take it?
0: Counterpoint. The refrain that crops up again and again through the song The Continental is Prince requesting the person to whom he is singing The Continental tell him how they want to be done. Prince is a sex freak who is all about (laughs) enthusiastic and ongoing consent. And I respect that.
1: Yeah, okay. I'll bow to that point, yeah. Yeah, on on first listen, I I remember thinking very specifically, I'm like, is there is there a consent form I have <laughs> to sign to listen to this? Like, I'm thinking of someone, say, Liv's age. Would they take this?
0: Would this be something they would allow, sort of thing? I mean, it's certainly aggressive. But I wouldn't say invasive.
1: No, I, I, not invasive. Certainly aggressive. But, I mean, at least... From everything that we've seen on the, or that I've seen on the news, all signs are pointing to this generation is a lot less into sex. Like, it is just not their thing.
0: Who's doing weird sex jams right now?
1: See, I know... I see, One no, of I... the
0: Jonases tried. Yeah, That didn't go well. Yeah.
1: Miley Cyrus for a while there though she seems to have come back from that brink
0: well there's only it. so far you can go in that direction
1: yeah and I think I think that was I think that was less genuinely her as much as it was a career move to have the full separation from Disney Miley
0: I mean and it worked
1: it did absolutely Disney will not touch her with that 70 foot pole at this point no nothing that would ever like you will never see Miley in the Marvel universe
0: no it's no and at the same time seeing her on Black Mirror you go that seems correct I haven't seen that episode yet admittedly heartily recommended. okay she does a Nine Inch Nails song that will make you question your sanity oh oh my god I've got time before work tonight I am so fucking watching that (laughs) yes please it is not what you asked for but it is what you deserved. Okay. I bet Ariana Grande could get away with a Prince-style sex jam. Mmm. You might be right. Especially in her new incarnation
1: since, like, last September or whatever. Like, the post-France gig shooting.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, her first her last two after records.
1: That. Well, yeah. Sweetener
0: and uh, Thank You Next. Yeah. When she announced that she is now the biggest superstar in the world, and the world looked at one another and went, yeah, I guess kind of.
1: Yeah, maybe,
0: arguably. Yeah. Do you know what? She released two records within four months of each other. They both went to number one. She that's... is the first artist to have the numbers one, two, and three singles in the United States simultaneously. Wow.
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's some power. Now, is that like Beyonce type power?
0: We're gonna I find it. The...
1: I bet you Beyonce could pull the same thing and maybe even
0: faster. Sure. But Beyoncé, tying it back to this record, because I'm excellent at podcasting... (laughs) Beyoncé tying it back into this record has years of goodwill built up, in the same way that Prince could not have put out this in 1980. Oh, there's no way. He needed 14 years of accumulated goodwill. He needed to chain Purple Rain and then one or two or three top ten singles every single year mm-hmm. from then until now in order to get away with My Name is Prince and the radio plays it anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you say, there would not have been a much music day devoted to this if he hadn't had that build up to it.
0: Yeah, uh... this was the acknowledged superstars. This is Prince, this is Michael Jackson, this is MC Hammer, this is... A superstar maybe a, a stretch on that one. He was at the time! Do you know what? Yeah, okay. MC Hammer released a nine-minute music video where James Brown showed up in person to ask him to do dance battle against Michael Jackson, and then ended with a Michael Jackson impersonator viewed from the back, acknowledging MC Hammer as his superior, and we all, watching from home, went, yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we were so naive. The video for Too Legit to Quit is fucking insane. Yeah. Like, the video for My Name is Prince is pretty insane. (laughs) The video for Black or White... The Michael Jackson song where there's three minutes at the end where he just yep. demolishes a car with a crowbar for some reason. <laughs> Dance demolishes a car with a crowbar. We had Stars so, are weird. We had so much money to spend on music videos in the 1990s. Oh
1: man, did we ever! Well, it was at that time heralded as the new media. Like it was going to be the successor to movies, at least to hear the media places talk about it. And you can see it in the long duration videos, you know, Prince had a few from this album, Michael had, you know, Thriller, and basically everything after that, which were made to be movies in and of themselves, like it was sort of the weird melding of art, film, and music, and it seemed to be, you know, we were told, no, this is going to be the future, and where did that go?
0: I mean, it kind of did. Like, it didn't replace movies, or replace radio. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, I would Plus not radio.
0: I would not listen to Top 40 radio throughout most of my life. i listen to some CJSW, but my major connection with mainstream pop music definitely came from much music. And it's streaming services now, but one of the major ways to rack up a hit is to have it go YouTube viral, which is absolutely the same ballpark. Yeah. It stops the internet for a day in order for your new video to be watched by 100 million people. Yeah, I mean... Okay, yeah. I don't know if that's better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it, just an observation. It, it just know. is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then Prince did this and then changed his name. So... To the title of this record. To the title of this record.
1: So I, I, that was another thing I was going to okay. ask about, which came first, the, the record or the name change.
0: And Prince changed his name a year after this. He wound up using it as a stage name from 1993 to 2001 due to uh, contract issues with Warner Brothers. Okay. I'm not 100% sure what the details of the conflict was, but one party is one of the most singular artists of the 20th century, and the other is a faceless, heartless, multi-billion dollar international conglomerate. So I can probably side with Prince. Probably had something to do with
1: contract issues etc where it's like he was locked into studio albums or something to that effect they wanted control over and if he changed his name to the symbol then he was actually a different artist
0: i think sort of thing i I think it was a form of protest okay i think it was something to do with them not letting him release at the rate that he wanted because like i said the man recorded constantly yeah when he finally did Fixed whatever contract issues existed. The first album he released afterward, Emancipation, was three solid hours. Holy shit. Yeah.
1: That's impressive.
0: You know what? It's even good. Okay. Like, it's definitely too long. You're very tired by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) No one has that sort of staying power. It could have probably been like three albums that were shorter. Yeah. But it was good. I listened to it. I'll still go back to it now and again. All right. Like, if I want to sit down for three hours and listen to a Prince record, which, I could listen to, like, two and a half Prince records. Yeah. <laughs> Even this is long. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's got a long run time,
0: particularly
1: for that era. Like,
0: No, it's about right for this era. Really? Yeah, it's 90s disease. Oh, okay. We had the technology to, uh, to make a record yeah. that was an hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes long. Yeah. And nobody ever stopped to think if we should. This is, I believe, like an hour eight, hour ten. About okay, that, yeah. Whereas Sign of the Times, which was his official double album, was only like 120. (laughs) (laughs) Wicked. Within four years, now every record will be that length. But because it's on CD, you won't notice.
1: Well, that's that's gone away. I mean, there aren't many artists doing work like this where they're doing like full albums, sort of thing. It's it's more like geared towards singles.
0: So, I don't think it is as much as it was.
1: Okay, well, it may be coming back, it may be the other, you know, yeah. pendulum swing coming back towards this.
0: I've found albums are coming back in the age of Spotify. Okay. In the way that they weren't in the age of iTunes. With iTunes, you could buy the one song that you have stuck in your head for 99 cents.
1: Yeah, whereas um, with Spotify, you're paying on a monthly basis yeah. or whatever anyway, so why not listen to the whole... Stream the whole record. Yeah.
0: Why not? What's stopping you? Yeah. <laughs> and then buy it on vinyl if you're old. Conveniently, I'm an old.
1: <laughs> an old, yeah. I'm, I am getting to an old, yep. Yep. That's Though, yeah, I can't have the property of vinyl. I don't like things. I can't have more things, damn it.
0: Yeah, living in the same apartment for two years has helped me with my irrational hatred of physical possessions. <laughs>
1: well, granted. Mind you, I've been living in the same place for nine years. But it's a very small place shared between me and 50% of the time a daughter. So, yeah, having too much stuff, problematic. Make Liv get into vinyl. Oh, she she is into vinyl. Oh, well, in yeah, that case. It's, it's, I, I imagine her dorm room is going to be full of it. Thank you, student loans.
0: Hooray! Spend all your student loans on vinyl and stereo equipment and then get scurvy. Stands to reason. I, I I'd, I'd say that's probably how it'll go. Don't be the person who does that, but definitely mock be the people that who does person.
1: Yeah.
0: So I played this with uh, Chelsea. Okay. It didn't work, so okay. I'm of course going to try it again. Why not? Four singles were released from this record. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can name them? Okay, my name is Prince. Yep. My name is Prince. Sexy motherfucker. That is correct. My name is Prince. Hit number five on the Canadian singles charts. Sexy Motherfucker hit number 11. Wow, Instead really? of having a title you could not say on the radio.
1: And I would say it's the better song of the two. It's a good song. Like, overall, yeah, I'd say it's the better song total, but...
0: There was not the same push behind it as there was behind. Like, one was Prince as a cultural moment, and the other is an excellent song by an artist that we all love.
1: Okay, um... I'm gonna go with... The Max. You would be incorrect. Damn it. Uh three changes of gold just because that was supposed
0: to be no, but I think it would have been a good one.
1: Okay. Uh, You'll feel
0: foolish if you don't get one of these.
1: Love to the Nines?
0: Nope. Fuck. It's your favorite song. Really? 7 was the third single off this. Of <laughs> Fuck. Se- 7 hit number 3 on the Canadian singles charts and then The Morning Papers hit number 8.
1: I would never think that The Morning Papers would be one that would be released. That is out there. The other three make sense. The Morning Papers would have been, like, one of my last guesses.
0: Prince has a line on, like, a 80s poppy psychedelic sound as well. hmm As guitar blistering melt-your-face-off funk tunes. Songs like Raspberry Beret, for example. Plow to Furrow that the Morning Papers fit nicely into, and I think this was a throw to that. Okay. He needed to make sure Perfect Pop, Dirty Sex Jam, Weird Psychedelia...
1: Yeah, I, I, I never, never in a million years would have guessed the Morning Papers.
0: But well, yeah, one barely missed the top ten. The other three were solidly within it. Uh, the singles actually did better in Canada hmm. than they did in either the states or the UK. In the states, "Sexy Motherfucker" hit number sixty-six. "My Name Is Prince" hit thirty-six. Seven hit number seven, and Morning Papers hit forty-four. In the UK, he only released the first three. Okay. So hmm. I guess at this point he was a bigger singles artist here.
1: That's impressive, because, now, I mean, this is me trying to remember what I would have heard on the radio back then. I don't remember him getting hardly any radio play. This was before much music was a thing for me, at least. I mean, I was, I was what, eleven, twelve 12 years old when this was released, so I hadn't really gotten into it yet. But yeah, on the radio, I didn't hear anything of this sort.
0: No, Seven, I think, did some decent radio business. Okay. Morning Papers. You know, the ones without swearing?
1: Yeah, it helps. Yeah, (laughs) it it certainly helps because that would have been yeah a major concern for them. Interesting.
0: Yeah. This was the last record in which he had that kind of four-quadrant pop superstardom. Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't kidding earlier when I said this was the moment before the wave broke. The year after this, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World would be his last top ten hit in either the US or the UK. And two years after that, "Betcha By golly, Wow," would be his last Canadian one for a decade. This was him leveraging 14 years' worth of hard leg work.: Yeah, for one last explosion before he spent the rest of the decade in contract disagreements with Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and records from his vault that he was releasing as a sop to fill out his contract, and records that were too long and songs that were too weird for the radio. And then in the early 2000s with Musicology or 3121, he went back to making the kind of Prince records that everyone can enjoy. So he went through his purgatory sort of thing. Yeah, but by that point he was kind of a legacy artist.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, at that point after 20-something years on the scene, uh, yeah. with X number of records, you, you, you basically have built-in record sales right there. Whether or not you're getting... Many new listeners probably doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, it's... and with nine years since your last monster hit single, radio's going to program you less.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, hmm.
0: but you're still going to sell a million copies when you offer a concert ticket slash album yeah. album combo. Yeah, <laughs> for the yeah. same reason that I own two copies of David Byrne's most recent record on compact disc, I think unopened. here are your Uh, compact disc copies of this record thanks I already bought it on vinyl and listened to (laughs) it streaming it is very good
1: (laughs) please keep buying our CDs
0: no yeah
1: uh,
0: vinyl streaming I'll see you at the show
1: I mean that that seems to be yeah I mean no one is buying CDs anymore vinyl or streaming is it
0: no CDs will keep selling forever they're the format of choice of baby boomers
1: yeah, the Boomers the boomers got rid of all their vinyl, which was silly of them. Switched over to CDs, but none of them really want to do the streaming thing, so yeah, okay. CDs will hopefully not sell forever, because if the Boomers live forever, just end me right fucking now, please.
0: Oh, it's going to happen. I know. The Singularity is going to come. I know. And they're going to be able to upload consciousness Don't into worry. machines. I,
1: I, this is this is so much my wheelhouse. I, I know. This service I, will
0: not only be provided to boomers, it will be provided exclusively to boomers. You and I will not be invited. Yeah, I know. To join That's... them. And then they will live in the cloud. And the cloud will be made of Forrest Gump. And Credence Clearwater Revival will play forever. And they will talk about how kids today don't understand real youth the way that they did. Forever, ever. Forever, right, ever. Man. Ooh. I am for real. I know. Uh, it's, uh, cool with that thought. <laughs> <laughs> Downer. <laughs> Alright, let's, let's, uh, let's not end the show on something that makes yeah. people want to kill themselves, though. Yeah. Huh? After all, there will be a new city with streets of gold. and the Young so educated they never grow old. There will be no death, because with every breath, a voice of many colors sings a song that's so old. We'll sing it while we watch them fall.
1: That's me face palming right there. That's...
0: Seven is such a good tune. Yeah. If Seven had been the leadoff single, it would have gone to number one. I agree. But Prince did not want for Seven to be the leadoff single because Prince did not run his career according to commercial concerns. He well, wanted I... My Name is Prince to be the leadoff single because he wanted to prove that he was a big enough star that it could be.
1: And commercially speaking, Seven wouldn't have hit as the lead-off. People would have gone, wait, what is this? I think would have been their response. Whereas after My Name is Prince and Sexy Motherfucker, having you come into that, people might be a little bit more accepting
0: of it. That might be. And it was a good move to attack the music industry Mm -hmm. the way that My Name is Prince did. Because Diamonds and Pearls had been his, I think, second biggest album of his career. Mm -hmm. Like second or third, somewhere in there. But it had been much more successful than the ones that he had been putting out up until that point commercially. But the major singles from it, Cream and Money Don't Matter Tonight and the title track, sounded very of their time. Like that was Prince fitting in with the pop world as it was. And My Name is Prince was a great way to announce that he would not be doing that anymore.
1: And Power Tool.
0: Going forward. Yeah. yeah. He could get there. And he did. And he stayed there for a very long time. The night that he passed, Chelsea took me to a karaoke bar to drink until I could not feel sadness anymore. And I wound up singing Seven. And nice. it was very cathartic.
1: Nice. That's the way to do it. It's, you know, you got to remember them for, you know all of the great stuff that they've given, uh, as opposed to, you know, mourning. It's almost, you, you got to give them their own Irish wake with their own music.
0: Yeah. I've never met the man. Yeah. Uh, his passing does not personally impact me nearly as much as it would his actual family or loved ones who are out there grieving him for real. Mm-hmm. I loved the arc that the man made, so let's go and celebrate that. <clears throat> Plus, it's just a dope song to do at karaoke. Which yeah. does help. But on that note, <laughs> I guess we're coming to the end of the uh, Prince episode. Thank you for joining me for it. It's been a blast. It's been way too long. This show's been going on, and I haven't talked about Prince record yet. Yeah. It won't be the last one that I talk about. Okay. Prince was one of those artists, when I was still attempting to manage an iTunes library, who I could listen to for 24 consecutive hours without hearing the same song twice. Wow. I am deeply invested in the fellow I'm going to close the show, as I tend to, on three questions. All right. You ever going to listen to uh, the Love Symbol album by Prince again?
1: I have to because, as I said, I I haven't processed it fully yet.
0: There's so much to it. It's fair. There's a lot going on. Yeah. You want to explore Prince's catalog further?
1: Yeah. Where do I go?
0: If you're looking for my favorite classic era Prince release, it would probably be Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times. All right. Or you can always just do Purple Rain.
1: Purple Rain. It right. is
0: one of the biggest selling albums of all time for a reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The movie is ridiculous, but also super fun. Okay. And it is the one that made him one of the biggest stars in the universe. If instead you want to mess with late period prints, Musicology and 3121 made for a great one-two punch in the early 2000s that nobody saw coming. Or if you would like an endurance test, just listen to Emancipation. <laughs> If you make it through the full three hours and you don't resent me for suggesting it, <laughs> congratulations, you're a Prince fan now. Congratulations, <laughs> you have been turned. But <laughs> Emancipation is not for someone dipping their toes in.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. That, uh, oh, if that had been the first album, I, oh man alive, three hours? Holy shit.
0: I had to make that tough decision with Sarah when she was on talking about the Clash. Mm. Uh, all right, what Clash record? Ooh, do I want to give her Sandinista? God, it's so long. Yeah. Maybe don't make her do this as her <laughs> first one. <laughs> and finally, what song would you like to play us out?
1: I'm going with sexy motherfucker.
0: Sexy motherfucker shaking that ass. Yeah. Shaking that ass, shaking that ass. This has been the soundtrack to a life, everybody. Follow us along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, rate us, review us. Give us five-star reviews. Give us if you must. One-star reviews. Don't give us two, three, or four-star reviews. Stop wasting our time. We're at war. You will pick a side. If you want the show that you're listening to do well, you give it a five-star review. If you want it to fail, you give it a one-star review. Three-star reviews are nothing. Why did you even log on to the internet? (laughs) Mike, you got anything you want to plug? Oh...
1: Yeah, just bully all, uh, everyone. It's, uh, wow, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing to plug right now, you know. Uh, have fun, be safe, don't burn up in a horrible fire.
0: These are all good pieces of advice. Exactly. This has been the soundtrack to a life. We will see you in a couple of weeks where Mike makes me listen to something. Bye. Yo,
1: man, what? She came. wear. There. Oh! I wanna do, no, not your body and mind, you fool Come here, baby, yeah You sexy motherfucker We're all alone in the villa of the Riviera. Got some friends on the south side, in case you cared Out of all your friends, I wanna.